If you have a Bible or a phone, open it up to 1, 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be in a couple of... Uh, be in a couple of verses this morning, but we're going to spend probably more time in, in 1 John chapter 4 uh, this morning. We're continuing in our um, few weeks of Advent, leading up, obviously, it's Christmas on Friday. Just uh, by way of announcement, before we dive into the sermon, a reminder that uh, Christmas is on Friday. We're having one 9 o'clock service that you have to book for, um, and then we won't be gathering in person until the 17th of January where we'll go back to uh, two services, 8.30, 10.30 again, also with booking, and see how the new year starts and uh, what... Are we good? I'm just going to keep going. I'm sure Wayne will get it right at some point. Uh, one, of the, one of the funnest things that Claire and I get to do uh, is, pre, is premarital counseling. Uh, and I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking, gosh, <laughs> there's, like, there's quite a few of you who, uh, who have done it uh, fairly recently with us, but, um, and, and many others. Uh, and it's a, it's a lot of fun for Claire and I to do it. And one of the things that we do in it is look at, um, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote the book, The Love Languages um, book. You know, anyone? You know, the, it's a very famous book, Love Languages. It's so famous they made it for kids. You know, you know, a book's really famous when there's like a kid's version uh, that comes out. Uh, and we, we take couples through it and we say, like, let's look at what your love languages are. This is the language that you speak to love uh, each other. And he's got this imagery of, like, you, you speak your native language, and it's not always the language the other person speaks. And so, you know, he's got five categories, um, quality time, uh, words of affirmation, uh, gift giving, uh, physical affection, and our can't remember the fifth one now. It's not important. The one I want to talk about at the moment is, is gift giving. It's always interesting because we ask the couples to uh, do a questionnaire to see and, and see if it matches up, you know, if, it, if there's an overlap at all, kind of thing, if they speak the same language as it were. And when we get to gift giving, that's one where it's often, <laughs> there's often polar opposites there, or it just doesn't feature for some people. For some people, it becomes, because I think your score, you can get a max of 25 when you do the questionnaire. For some people, they shoot the lights out. It's like 25 out of 25. Like, that is the, their thing. Like, if you want to love them, you get them something. You get them a gift. You know, they're just like, doesn't have to, what, doesn't matter what the gift is. You know, it can be a flower from the garden. They're like, oh, you know, like, I feel so loved by you, whatever else. And other people, like, their score is in the single digits. They're just like, look, you can buy me whatever, and it's just this, it'll be cool, but it's not going to like set my world on fire. I want time with you, or I want you to stroke my head, or uh, say nice things to me, whatever it is. And it's always interesting to see couples' different responses in that, and you know, it's clear and I've been married for a while. It's been interesting to see how this has played out for us, because I'm not a gift giver uh, at all. Um, gifts, giving and receiving, are not, they don't really feature, I think it's my number five one, but for Claire, it's right up there. Uh, it's not number one, but it's very important for her. Uh, and I think I've shared with you before like how I've had to learn how to speak a foreign language. Um, in our early days, um, I just would never buy Claire any presents uh, for her birthday or Mother's Day, whatever. I was just like, yeah, like, I, I didn't come from a gift-giving kind of family. So we just like, in my family, like, you tell people what they must get you. It's like, if, hey, my birthday's coming up. They're like, what do you want? Do you tell them? Or they either give you the money and you go and buy it yourself. Like, that's how my family rolls. Like, it's, for some of you gift givers, you're just like appalled. That like sounds like a hell on earth. I can see some of you like, that's terrible. You poor guy. Go for counseling. 
And uh, I, then I got better. I actually would buy Claire presents, but I would give it to her in the packet from the shop that I bought it. Like, here you go. Slips in the bag if you want to take it back, kind of thing. Like, and I'm thinking, I'm, I haven't wasted money on wrapping because that is a con. And those wrapping, those present bags, also a con. You know, that's like the price of another gift. And I've put the slip in in case she doesn't like it. How thoughtful. I've kept the slip. You can change it. Take it back. It's, I won't be offended if you don't like it. You can get whatever you want then. I'm thinking, I'm shooting the lights out of this. And she's like, love, it'd be better if you wrapped it. Like, even if she knows what it is, like, but I'm like, you know what it is. Why must I wrap it if you know what's inside there? She's like, I just like to unwrap it. I'm like, okay, cool. And so now I do. I buy her surprises often, and I wrap them. Hey, I, there's hope for you if you are me. Oh, no, thank you. There's hope for you. Um, <clears throat> this is the last word by introduction. This is a rock, exhibit A. Um, this, it, you can't read it properly, but it says on it, you are, <clears throat> you are my rock. Okay? Jono gave me this rock. Uh, it's nothing special about this rock. It's like a garden variety rock. There's actually probably way better rocks that I've ever seen before, but he painted this thing and stuck a thing on it. Like I think the, the preschool were obviously on Friday afternoon creativity levels when they gave it like, you are my rock and paint a rock to give to your dad kind of thing. But I remember the day Jono gave me this rock. And his excitement in giving me this rock. Like the guy was like shaking with anticipation and excitement to give me this rock. And so this rock lives next to my bed. I've tossed a whole bunch of other stuff, but I keep, I keep this very ordinary looking rock next to my bed. Because it's not, I have no particular affection for this rock. It's of no value to anything. I could use it as a doorstop. Actually, we should. Um, but Jono gave me the rock. And sometimes a gift has value because of the giver of the gift, not necessarily just the gift that's given. Sometimes it's both. Both the gift is valuable and the giver is to be treasured. And as we look today and focus our hearts and minds closer and closer on the Christmas story, this is where I want us to bend our attention on both the gift and the giver and what we have been given in God. And let me say this. If you're making notes, write this down. The greatest gift that you will ever receive is the love of God in Jesus Christ. The greatest gift you will ever receive, that anyone will ever receive, is the love of God given to you in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want us to uh, look at a few things and remind us. We were in 1 John recently, but by way of reminder, I want us to look at these things because this richness of these verses out of 1 John. So let me read this and then we'll pray and dig into it. 1 John from chapter 4 from verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we look into your word, as we, as we come again another week to put our, our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears before and under your word, we pray that you would speak to us. We so treasure the ongoing teaching speaking, guiding work of the Holy Spirit that you promised would come 
and take your word and make it alive uh, in our hearing. That through um, frail and fallible people, as we speak, you would, we would hear your voice and your glory would be put on display and that our hearts, our lives, our futures would be transformed because of the truth of your word as it comes to us. And so as we hear your word again this morning, we pray for softness of heart. We pray that your word would strengthen us. You would give us ears to hear what you're saying and that it would truly come to life in our hearing and in our spirits this morning to strengthen us as your people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of things here on, on, on this love and gift. So we're looking at this, this mutual theme of, of love as a gift and God's gift of love in Jesus Christ. And here in 1 John again, what is it? This love is seen in the giving of Jesus. God's love is seen. It's put on display in the giving of Jesus. I, I, that phrase struck me again this week with such force. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent his one and only son into the world. Not, not against his will, not against Jesus like, no, I don't want to go. He's like, you're going. No, I don't want to go. You're going. Like, Jesus willingly comes. He, he's later in the gospel, he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down. And I will take it up again. No one's forcing me to do this. It's not a battle between me and the father. But the father still sends his son into the world. I've got, I've got two sons, and I can't imagine sending them into anything that would damage them or hurt them or you know, know how something may end up in their own death. The thought of sending like that. You've got to think of this as the father sends the son, knowing full well what the son comes to do, sending the son into the world. Uh, again and again, we mention these things again and again every week because our hearts are so sluggish with this stuff. Uh, Dan and I were out in the garden yesterday, Somehow you find out that I, I, it's called the Star of Bethlehem. I don't know if that's just like a, a thing he's picked up where someone's like trying to con everyone that it's the Star of Bethlehem. Bethlehem. But Saturn and Jupiter, I think, I may, I may get this wrong, are like getting closer to each other than they've been in like hundreds of years. And then they get like super bright. And I think it's, I think it's tomorrow that it's the brightest. And if you look west above the horizon at like whatever. It's like the first like, massive star. And he dragged me out into the garden yesterday, and he said, look, there, that's them. And they're like about this. I don't know how far apart they are, actually. You know, like, but they're, like, they're getting close to each other, and maybe tomorrow like, they're going to be super close. And apparently they get massively bright. And they look so tiny. It's Saturn and Jupiter look like little dots up in the sky there. And I'm standing there with Dan. He's super excited about this whole thing. And I went back inside, and I was thinking, I never want to lose the wonder that he has, and I never want to lose the wonder of what I'm actually looking at, that, that, that the one who spoke those planets into being and set them on a trajectory that every however many hundreds of years they would cross over and produce this wonderful display for us, he laid aside all of his glory and his godness and allowed himself to be sent as a little baby boy, helpless and needy into our world to come to, as a rescuer for me, sent into the world, this, this one who spoke everything and sustains it with the power of his word, he leaves that all aside and, and, and he comes into the world. It's, it's mine. I mean, we, we can't allow ourselves to just be like, oh, that's cool. You need to stand in your garden and look at the planets and think of the size of them and the enormity of everything that's going on around us and think the one who just spoke all of this into being and sustains it just with his word 
he laid that all aside to come as a human being, to like leave all the gods and empty himself to come for us. And it says in Mark 10 verse 45, Jesus says, for even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus comes, he gets sent knowing what waits him, knowing that he's going to be giving his life as a ransom for many. He doesn't come just as an example. He doesn't come just to see, I wonder what it's like down there. I wonder what it's like on earth, on this earth created. Let me go and have a look. He's he comes with a specific purpose to be a ransom for us. This love is put on full display in the giving of uh, Jesus. The second thing we see here in this reminder in 1 John is that love is initiated by God. This love is initiated by God. I love that phrase, not that we loved God. John is at pains here to clear this up. Not, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. You know, I, I'm not a gift giver, so I don't give gifts to many people. But I give gifts, some gifts, to the people that I love. I don't just randomly go around the streets just handing out gifts to, to random people. Um, Dan, Dan loves YouTube, but one of the channels he watches is this guy. I think his name is Mr. Beast. I don't know how this guy ended up with so much money. Uh, some of you know him. You're also YouTubers. And this guy just randomly goes around giving people gifts. And he, like, he ordered pizza, and the pizza delivery guy arrived at his house, and he bought the pizza delivery guy a house. Yeah, I mean, as, as amazed as you are, I was when I first heard the story, and he showed it to me. I was like, where did this clown get all this money from? Like, obviously, he's rich parents, or he robbed a bank, or I don't know, whatever. But that's what he does. And his whole YouTube channel is him just going around being randomly generous to random people. He'll find people who've got, like, no followers on YouTube and give them, like, 10,000 rand, $10,000 to cheer them up because, shame, they've got no fans or followers and stuff. And I'm like, so Dan's not going to start a YouTube channel and have no followers just in the hope that Mr. Beast finds him and gives him $10,000. I was like, I don't know about that, but like uh, anytime someone follows him, he's like, kicks them off, you know? <laughs> no, I need, I need none, I need none. But I don't randomly go and find people I don't know or love to give a gift. There's some relationship already there in order normally for a gift to be given. And here in this gift that we get from the Father of the Son, it's not a gift given because we're deserving of the gift. It's a gift given because we're undeserving of a gift. That's what makes it hard for us. You're not deserving. None of us are deserving of the gift that we get given of the love of God in Jesus Christ. Quite the opposite. We deserve exactly the opposite. We, get, we deserve to be treated with the hostility that our sin deserves and our rejection and our rebellion against God. But God over, overcomes that. He doesn't overlook it. He overcomes it in Jesus, and he gives us this astounding gift of life. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He's the one who initiates this gift giving. It's, it's so powerful uh, for us to remember that as we go into Christmas. Uh, thank you, Father. We can, we can appreciate Jesus. We can love him. But we have to remember in the back of our heads, in, in the front of our minds, that we're undeserving of this gift of Jesus. There's nothing in us that warranted God having to. didn't have to send Jesus. Out of his grace, the overwhelming, overflowing grace of God, he sends his son's love is initiated by God. The third thing we see is that love becomes our empowering example. Becomes our empowering example. In verse 11, John says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Because God loved us, we get to love others. So I said, I've used that phrase, empowering example. 
It's not just an example. Hey, be more like Jesus. Because if you've tried to love without the power and the help of God, you'll realize how impossible it is to do that. We need empowering, but we need an example. We have both in Jesus. We have empowerment through the Spirit given by Jesus, and we have an example. If you want to know how to treat people, you look at Jesus. You look at how he treats his friends, how he treats his enemies, how he submits to authority, how he treats the sick, how he loves the poor. If you wonder how we should, how then should we live, we look at Jesus. He is our empowering example. It starts with this, and, and this is a good reminder for us at Christmas, is to slow down the pace to remind ourselves how deeply loved we are at Christmas time. Not only at Christmas time, but Christmas provides an amazing opportunity for us to just slow it down, both in busyness of, of year and everything else, and focus on Jesus to say, hey, we are deeply, deeply loved by the Father. We are deeply, deeply loved by the Father. And we don't want to rush ahead and love others because the love for others comes from a deeper experience of the love of the Father. If you put the cart before the horse, you run out of love for others very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. You reach the end of yourself. You're just like, ah, oh, these people are annoying. They don't, they're not, I'm not getting anything out of this. It's like, well, no, 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 we have to start again. Like, how has the Father loved me? He's loved me when I haven't returned his love often, again and again and again. Where I have rejected, I've resisted his love, he has continued to love me. When that, when that becomes where we live, we treat people radically differently. We then love as we have been loved. It's a responsive love lived out with other people because we, it's an experiential love first. We're not, we're not hearing uh, the gospel as go and, go and love others. We're hearing the gospel as you are deeply, deeply loved. Live in that love. Experience it. Swim in it. Soak it up so that then you will be catapulted. You will then be sent to love others in the way that you have experienced that love. It's an empowering example. An empowering example. And this is how strong that example becomes for us. John 15, verse 13, Jesus says, No one has greater love than this. Don't rush past the verses. I know you know how it ends, many of you. No one has greater love than this. This is the benchmark. This is the standard to lay down his life for his friend. Lay down your life for others. A self-sacrificing, giving love. That is where we're called to. So we're called to follow Jesus. We're disciples. We're followers. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, this is what it means. To follow him in giving our lives away to others in love. And we, we could spend days, weeks talking about what that practically looks like. But that's the heart of it. Is it's, it's a giving love. It's a self-sacrificing it's not me preferring my own needs. It's me preferring your needs and giving of myself to you in love again and again. And again, you push back, you hate, you revile. I give, I give, I give. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds like there's no ways you could do that. That's why you need empowering. That's why you need empowering. Christians should be supernatural. We are supernatural people because you can't possibly love in the way God wants us to love if you have not been uh, overtaken and empowered by the Spirit of God to love like that. It's an absolute impossibility because as soon as we run into some kind of resistance or some thanklessness or something like that, inconvenience, the love dries up. It's like, no, it's cool. I'm going to love people who are more deserving. There's more 
I get more of the feels in loving them, and there's more response, or there's more fruit, or whatever else, or like, ah, I get some reciprocal love. No, no. It says, we have love for enemies. We have love for everyone, because we lay down our lives to serve and love and give. That's what Jesus did, our empowering example. And as a last reminder for us of what Jesus would say, when Paul quotes to the Ephesians elders, he quotes what Jesus says, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Many of us would flip that on its head and say, no, no, we, we feel blessed when we receive. Amen. And there's whole, there's whole pockets of Christianity, maybe some of them have even fallen outside of Christianity, where they feel it's more blessed to receive than to give. That's why God exists, is so that he would give to you. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's more blessed that you give than that you receive. You have received. The word reminds us we already have everything that we need in Christ. And it's our blessing to give of our lives to other people. To give, to give, to give, to give, to give. And you can only give what you have received from the Father. That's why it's important that we loved first before we try to love others. So that again, it's important that we're loved first before we try to love others. That pattern of our days, of our weeks, of our, of our lives, to sit at the Father's feet and to be loved by Him so that we can love others in return. Tim Keller says that Christmas can actually be the most challenging time of the year. Because in order to receive a gift, it requires a level of humility. Especially receiving the gift of Christmas requires acknowledging what the gift truly says about you. And when I read that, and I, 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 was, I was struck by it. I'd never heard anyone, never heard him put it in that way before. Imagine, imagine a, a friend of yours, you have a, you have a friend's Christmas party, people like doing that this time of the year, you have all your mates around, you know, socially distanced with masks on, I've seen all the pictures, it happens everywhere, it's all very responsible happening, and you all buy a gift for each other kind of thing, you know, and imagine, you, you know, your mates, like, they know you're a big reader, and one by one, you know, you open the books, and like, book number one, overcoming selfishness, you know, <laughs> you know, like, Book number two, how to be less annoying in five easy steps. You know, and you're like, oh, <laughs> snap, dudes. It's like Daddy's <laughs> guide to losing weight in three weeks, you know, just loading these up. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you're going to be like, hey, snap, thanks, guys, for the gifts. I'm feeling the love. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> re-gift those books. on. like, it would take massive humility to receive those gifts because the gifts, are, the gifts say something about you. That are given. And Christmas says something about us, doesn't it? Christmas says something about us. What does it say about us? What does the, what does the gift of Christmas say about us? It says two things that we are deeply loved and that we need rescuing. That's what Christmas says about us that we are deeply, deeply loved, but that we need a rescuer. And in order to receive that gift, we need to humble ourselves and say, okay, well, yeah, I am deeply loved. We have no problem with that. Amen. I need rescuing because I've lost my way in my own sin and rebellion against God. I need rescue. Everything God says about me is true. In order to receive the gift of Christmas, the gift of Christ, the gift of the joy of this time of the year, and the message of the Son of God coming to the world for me requires a level of humility to say, oh, I agree with you, God. That is me. I am lost and I need, I need rescuing. It says so much about the lengths that God would go to to rescue us. That's how deeply loved we are. The lengths that God would go to to 
secure this rescue that shows just how deeply loved we are? How do you respond to a gift that is undeserving, that you feel undeserving of? How do you respond to it? It's only ever happened to, to me, to Claire and I once, where we've had a gift that we felt we didn't know really how to respond. Um, our car had broken down, uh, like, like, like broken down, like the engine was like kaputza, it's like goodbye car, um, see you on the other side kind of thing. And a friend of ours heard about this um, and phoned me up um, and said, look, uh, heard about this, been praying, thinking, we want to give you uh, a car. Uh, I was like, and we want to pay to fix the car that was broken. Um, so then you can sell your car, and then you'll have, you'll have that car with a new engine and this car that we're giving you. And I remember getting off the phone and, and debriefing this with Claire and saying, I just had a chat with this guy, and this is, this is what he said. And Aaron, Claire and I were just wheel spinning. You see what I did there, wheel spin, car? Okay, uh, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, for a while, and like, how do you say thank you to someone who, who gives you a car and then pays for your other car to get fixed? Like, I think we may have got him some chocolates and uh, some wine and written him a card kind of thing because we were at a loss. We're like, what do we say? Like, how do we say thank you for this kind of generosity? And Claire still drives the car that was given to us as the gift. You know, I don't know if you've ever been given a gift that you just were like, what do I say? And there's a level in which when we look at Jesus, we should stand there and be like, what do we say to you, Father? What do we say? How how do we respond to a gift like this? What are we going to say to you, God? What are we going to do to to thank you, to, to gift back to you something because of the lavishness of the gift you've given us? Nothing that we can give to God, nothing that we can say to God, nothing that we can do for God sort of evens us out with him. The gift is, way, it's, the scales are broken. There's no weighing up like, hey, God gave us this, but we've given him these kinds of things. It's like in the gift of grace in the person of Jesus Christ, the whole system has fallen apart. It's a gift that you can't possibly say thank you for. So we respond according to God's word. We respond with more than just emotional gratitude. We are grateful to God. We can say it with our prayers. We can express it in worship. But listen to how John later on in 1 John uh, explains it. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, he says, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. This is what he says. This is what love for God is to keep his commands. That's how you know you love God, is you find out what he says, and you joyfully and willingly obey him. We find out what he says, we listen to his voice, and we joyfully and willingly obey him because he has transformed our hearts. And day after day, moment by moment, minute by minute, year after year, decade after decade, wherever and in every opportunity, we follow him and we obey him and we live lives of of joy-filled, obedience as a response to receiving a gift that we could never have deserved and can never fully appreciate. That's what it means. It's not that it just we feel warm and fuzzy at Christmas time, even now we're like, oh, thank you, God. No, no. 
This is what it means to love God. It looks like joy-filled, lifelong obedience to his voice, to his commands. That's how you know that you're a Christian. That's how you know that you're following God. That's how you know others are. You look at their life and say, yeah, it won't be perfect obedience, obviously, but it's joyful. It's not dutiful obedience. It's not like I have to do all these things God wants. It's like, no, God has changed my heart. And out of joyful response for receiving a gift that I can't possibly have imagined to receive, I'm happy to obey you, God, and to follow you in all of your ways every day that you give me breath. We receive with gratitude and we respond with joyful obedience. And this is what we get to celebrate at Christmas. Love in the gift of Jesus Christ given to us. And we stop there and we say, thank you, Father. Like, and we want to receive and enjoy this gift given again. It, it was given in, a, a, you know, Quint has this wonderful phrase, problems that annoy him. He calls them the gift that keeps on giving. You know, when they keep coming back, you know, like the, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. It was given, and he continues to give. Even now, as we gather here, right now this morning, God is with us to give to you. Again, God is a giver. God is never a, a, a taker. God is a giver. He's giving you grace. He's giving you strength. He's giving you mercy. He's giving you help. He's giving you hope. He, he is the giving one. And so we stop and receive again and say, thank you, Father. And then we walk out the doors to live lives of joyful obedience, empowered by the Holy Spirit who is what God is and is God himself given to us. Let's pray for God's help this morning to be people like that. Yeah, Father, it's true that you have, um, you've given us in, in sending Jesus into the world, you've given us a gift that we, we can't fully comprehend and we, we can certainly never repay you for. We, we don't even really know how to thank you for the gift that you've given us. And yet this morning, we want to remind ourselves of things that are true, that, uh, that you have given us the gift of Jesus because we are deeply, deeply loved by you. And because we desperately need rescuing, we did and we still do and we will. And we thank you, Father. We, we, we humbly, gratefully, joyfully acknowledge our need of rescue this morning again. And say thank you, Father, that you have come towards us in grace, that you've not treat us, treated us as our sins deserve, but you've lavished mercy and love and grace over us. And we, we joyfully receive the, the pardon, the life, the love, the life and joy and hope of Jesus Christ given to us again. And we pray, Father, that you would fill us again this morning. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. And we pray, Father, that you would pour out the Spirit on us again this morning in new ways to, to empower us to live lives of love in response to you. We, we want to follow you in your example of giving our lives away to others. And that can be so hard for us uh, sometimes, Father. We we try it so often in our own strength that we pray and we look to you again this morning that you would fill us with the Spirit. You would fill us with your love that would overflow in us, that would first settle our own hearts and satisfy us, but then it would overflow in our lives, into the lives of others, that we would have so much of you and your love to give to others. And 
give almost unto death, as it were, following you in your example. Not just looking for it to be returned to us, but giving and giving and giving as you continue to supply our needs. This morning, we just want to pause and say, thank you, Father. You've lavished gift upon gift on us, but the greatest one we're most appreciative of is the gift of your own Son sent into the world to redeem us. And for that, we worship you afresh this morning. And we glorify you. We're humbled, and yet we're joyful. And we say, thank you, Father. There's no one like you, and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.